Good morning, Trinity Lutheran Church. It's the third Sunday after Epiphany. Thank you, Sheila. Jesus, lover of my soul. Welcome this morning. We're glad you're here. We have a beautiful um, medley of songs by Robert and Aaron this morning. Pastor Jim's going to be preaching, and we're going to finish up this prelude time with a song by Linnea Good, our Canadian friend. Um, How then shall I live? That sort of asks the question uh, uh, when we've stepped out of our comfort zone, our familiar place, our, uh, our own experience, and encountered the other, someone whose experience is vastly different from ours. How will that inform us? And how then shall we live? Took a walk outside of my walking, stepped inside another's shoes, walked the dusty borders between us, paths I'd never chosen to choose. How then shall I live? Sing along. How then shall I live? How then shall I live? Oh God, how then shall I live? Heard a sound outside of my listening Felt the living hum of the ground Waited on the voice of the Spirit Singing with its new old sound Step outside of my walking, found within a beam that we Walked with you the length of a lifetime, and made of life a living prayer. How then shall I live? How shall I live? How then shall I live? How shall I live? How then shall I live? sure before I jumped up too quick. That is the question, isn't it? How then shall I live? And uh, that's part of what brings us together as God's people here to put ourselves in the path of the gospel. Uh, You see that the altar guild has been here ahead of us, uh, setting the table this morning um, 
for us as we'll be sharing the bread and wine of Holy Communion together in a few minutes. Uh, ice and snow be gone, huh? It's good to be out. I know some of you have been locked in all week. It's good to be back together. We also know that there are those online right now joining us. Uh, we you are a part of our family uh, sitting there in your uh, pajamas. Um, good to be together. Uh, the, the opening uh, hymn that we share this morning also is a kind of a question about how then shall I live? How are we the church together? And it says, it's got to be this way. Mine is the church where everybody's welcome. If it's comfortable for you on this uh, Sunday in Epiphany, I would invite you to stand. Gathered in God's house, we worship in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We lift our voices in song. Mine is the church where everybody's welcome.
continue with our litany for this morning, responsive reading. This is a place of grace. All are welcome at the table. Certainty is mostly an illusion. This is a place of grace. Let us face the day and the future with joy and courage, knowing that we are not alone. So let us live as Jesus taught us. Less worrying. More compassion. Less judgment. More blessed. Less stressed. More love. Less hate. Let us go now today. Come everyone with your gifts to share. Amen. Our hymn of praise, uh, let us go now to the banquet. God, send your spirit that we may know your joy. Give us voices to sing. Give us rhythm to dance. Give us love to share. Give us the courage to hold on in darkness. And give us the empathy to hold the hands of those who wander in the wilderness of despair. Send now your Holy Spirit that we might authentically be your people in this place. We pray in the name of our role model and rabbi, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. 
please be seated. From Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart, in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of honor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has gained renown by his wonderful deeds. The Lord is gracious and merciful. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Thank you so much. Beautiful. And Diane, thank you for reading that lesson uh, today as well. Uh, thank you all for being here. The title of the sermon is Fishing, so you probably should expect a Svetanoli joke. Um, shout out to Pastor uh, Dennis, who would appreciate this. Uh, so so Svetanoli, one time they, they decided that they were going to go on the trip of a lifetime. Trip of a lifetime, a very expensive fishing trip. They were going to take a float plane. They were going to go a lodge in Saskatchewan. And they did that. And for five days they fished. And when they got back, they'd only had two fish. And Sven was looking very discouraged. And he said, Oli, the way I figure it, each fish cost us $4,000. Val said, Oli, at that price, I'm glad we didn't get more. (laughs) That's it. I'll quit with that. So how many of you uh, would describe yourself as a fisherman or a fishinista, which is I'm, what I'm told is the proper term. Fish, any fishermen out there? Fisher, fishinistas? Not many here at this service, actually. Uh, as uh, talking, I, I understand this was a good year for fish, was it not? I did not catch a single salmon this year. But then I didn't go fishing either. So how do I know it was a good year? Well, I heard your fishing tales and believe most of them, and you backed them up with proof by bringing me a few salmon fillets during the year, and I'm most grateful for that. Now, 2,000 years ago and halfway around the world, Simon Peter and Andrew, in our assigned text for today, Simon Peter and Andrew, who were brothers, were casting their nets into the sea. Now, that would make sense. They were fishermen, after all, and they were not the type of sports fishermen whose boats bob in the waters of the Puget Sound or those who cast their lines from the shores of Whidbey Island in the pursuit of a salmon. This type of sporting event is called fishing, not necessarily catching. Now, I know there is a joy for fishermen and fishinistas in just being out on the water or just seeing nature or spending time with friends or teaching children or grandchildren how to fish. For sports fishermen, catching a salmon is a bonus. And if you are shut out, you may go home somewhat disappointed, but I'm guessing there'll still be food on the table that evening. Not so with Simon Peter and Andrew. It was their livelihood. If they caught fish, they could pay the rent. If they went home empty-handed too often, it would be a threat to their families and to their finances. So let's cut to the chase of Fishing 101. If you are fishing for sport or if you're trying to make a living out of fishing, the first thing you need to do is get to the water. 
If you want to catch fish, it's best to go where the fish are, be that the Sea of Galilee or the waters of the Puget Sound. Now, in that regard, as we enter our text, Andrew and Simon Peter, they were in the right place that day. They knew the fish would pass by this spot. They had been at this fishing hole many times. What they did not know was that they were also in the path of Jesus. They were in the path of the gospel unknowingly that day. Jesus, we're told, was walking along the shore. Jesus, who had recently been baptized by his cousin John in the River Jordan, and when he emerged from those waters, he then spent more than a month in the wilderness considering the task and the calling that was before him. Now as he walked along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he was a man on a mission. But he was also a rabbi without an audience. He was a rabbi without followers. The Bible says that he had just begun to preach, and like John the Baptist, his preaching was marked by good news. He preached a hopeful message of repentance that there was a different way of living and loving, that there was still time to make changes in people's lives, to make their life better. But on this day, Jesus was not preaching. What was he doing? It seems that he too was fishing. But like me, he never put a pole or a net in the water. When he came upon these fishermen, he said, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately, immediately they left their nets and followed him. So now suddenly there were three of them, two wondering what they had gotten themselves into, and a rabbi who was just now gaining momentum. As Jesus went a little farther, he saw James and John, the sons of Zebedee. The brothers were in their boat mending nets. Or should I say they were in their father's boat, mending nets. Nets that were critical now to their livelihood, to paying their rent, to taking care of their family. When Jesus saw them, he called out to them, inviting them to follow along. They heard his invitation. They had no idea how long they would be gone or where they were going. And yet, to our surprise, and probably to the dismay of the old man Zebedee, they left their father in the boat, and they followed Jesus. Now, fishing for fish, that was a known concept. Fishing for people was an interesting concept. Leaving behind the nets, the fishing boat, and the old man, a little risky, I think. Following someone who had no following, not sure I would have recommended it. But they did follow that day. And as a result, their lives would never be the same. In the next three years, Simon, Peter, and Andrew, James and John, they'd see it all. They would be amazed. They would be amused. They would be bewildered, and they'd be disappointed. They would be disappointed in Jesus. They'd be disappointed in themselves. This Jesus would break the rules and break the mold. Now, I'm guessing that Jesus did not set out to offend the religious leaders, but offend them he did. Given his calling, given the fact 
that he cared more about people than he did about the traditions of Judaism, given his spontaneity, I suppose it was inevitable that there would be conflict. After all, this Jesus would touch the untouchable. He would eat with known sinners and even with prostitutes. He would break Sabbath laws and turn over the tables of the money changers. And Jesus would tell disgusting stories about prodigal sons and their disgraceful Jewish fathers. And Jesus would refuse to condemn broken, disheartened, oppressed, and mostly poor people. This rabbi would not attack with the law. He would not use the law as a club to assault distressed people. On the contrary, Jesus' words were good news. He relied on grace. Grace offered freely to all. Social or religious status did not impress Jesus as he extended the promise of a new beginning to all. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. If you want to catch fish, it's best to get yourself to the water. But if you want to fish for people, then you must put yourself where they are, in their path. If the gospel was to be good news, if this mission was to change lives, then Jesus and his followers needed to be where people lived and where people worked. Now, the formula for Christians has not really changed in 2,000 years. If God was going to change the world through these fishermen, then they needed to leave their boat. They needed to abandon their nets. They needed to let go of old habits, and they needed to follow the rabbi from the Galilee. But we might ask why. Why did Jesus need them? Why would the Messiah want these flawed, insecure, less than dependable, sometime clueless humans on his team. He is the son of God for crying out loud. Why did he even need a team? Well, the goal was to change lives. And in order to achieve that goal over time, over years, over centuries, Jesus needed hands and feet, more than his own hands and feet. No, this movement would need the hands and feet on its own. The hands and feet of Simon Peter, yes. The hands and feet of Andrew and James and John, of Dorcas and Lydia, of Mother Teresa and Martin Luther King Jr. and Pastor Dennis and Pastor Tom. The movement would have to carry on after the cross, after Easter, after the ascension. With the hands and feet of humans, it would carry on. And the movement that Jesus started would change the world in ways unimaginable to those fishermen. Now we know that over time, the faithful followers of Jesus would come to serve communities. They would serve. At first, they would gather in homes, and then they would gather in humble buildings. Ultimately, as many of us know who have traveled, they would erect grand cathedrals. But you know what? Jesus never pounded a nail. Jesus never built a church. No, he needed hands and feet to do that. 
the movement would continue as great universities would rise up across the globe, Oxford, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Dartmouth, Northwestern, PLU, and many more were founded on the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Jesus never set foot on campus. Christian hospitals like Providence, nursing homes like Bethany, orphanages and social service agencies grew out of the Jesus movement, but Jesus himself never built a single hospital or nursing home. The church of Jesus changed the world, taking the lead in caring for the poor, in addressing food insecurity, and shelter for the homeless and refugees alike. You see, Jesus needed hands and feet 2,000 years ago. And guess what? The same is true today. You are as likely to see Jesus volunteering a good cheer as you are to see Elvis at Island Recycling. Neither is going to happen. You see, my friends, you are the baptized. Together and as individuals, we are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We are called to make a difference in the world. The movement depends on us, and that's what we see in our gospel lesson as Jesus is calling followers. Now, let's be very clear on this point as we sit here in this beautiful sanctuary. The church is not a building. Let me hear you say that. No, this building, it's beautiful, but it's made of very common building materials. Nothing special about this drywall. Nothing special about this wood. And the building, it's, it's nothing without you. The building is not the church. You and I are the church. You and I are the church. How many of you have been to, Bethlehem, uh, to um, Bellingham before? Everybody here been to Bellingham? Central Lutheran Church in Bellingham was one of our flagship ELCA congregations in the state of Washington. And when I came to Freeland, do we have a, video, do we have a clip of, of the church there? There we go. One of our flagship uh, ELCA congregations in the state of Washington, when I came to Freeland 34 years ago, Pastor Len Erickson was there. He'd been there a long time leading that congregation. They were the city church in Bellingham with outreach to the city and to Western Washington University. They had a TV ministry before everyone had an online presence. Well, in November last year, Central Lutheran Church in Bellingham closed their doors after 133 years of ministry in that place. I got to tell you, the building was fine, and the building will be repurposed. But the building was not the church. The church was and always will be the people of God. In this case, the hands and feet of Jesus in Bellingham and in the surrounding area was Central Lutheran Church for 133 years. But you know what? When the people went away, there was no longer a church. There was only brick and mortar. That same month, Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Lake Stevens closed her doors. The building is simple wood and drywall under a roof of asphalt. There's nothing sacred about the building. We do not worship places or buildings. 
They are simply tools to be used by the people of God. The people of God, they are the church. In our Synod Bishop's report that just came out, our Synod Bishop uh, Shelley Bryan Wee, who has been here with us before, she said that all told in 2023, five ELCA churches in Western Washington closed their doors. For hundreds of years, the Church of Jesus existed and it spread across the world and there were no buildings. As we go back to our story, Andrew and Simon Peter were doing what fishermen do. They were casting their nets, they were hoping to catch fish, but Jesus called them to fish for people. James and John would leave the boat in good old Zebedee and the world would be changed. And how would the world be changed? It'd be changed by people. So now we're going to kind of get on the exit ramp of this sermon, mercifully. The church is you, folks. The church is you. And it's the one sitting next to you in the pew today. And it's our choir members, and it's our quilters, and it's the endowment committee, and it's the bakers, and it's the artists, and it's those who serve at funeral receptions. You see, we are the church together, and we are united not by a place, but by a mission. We are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus on Whidbey Island. Now, we have our annual reports out there for you this morning, and I want you to read those very carefully. But I also have this for you that the ushers gave you. And I just want you to take a look at it for a minute. And what I want you to see is this is our footprint. This is part of our footprint together in 2023. This is part of our footprint in this community and in the world. And you see that our footprint touches the Ukraine. And our footprint touches the Middle East. And our footprint touches good cheer and helping hand and the University of Washington. This is our footprint. This is what's happening. And what you see is that the movement that Jesus started is still changing the world, but it's changing the world because of you. So I want you to repeat after me. You can put that down now. You look at it later now. It's always dangerous to give you stuff to read as I'm preaching, but <laughs> Carl warned me about it. But no. Okay, repeat after me. Ready? We are the people of God. We are the people of God. We are the people of God doing the will of God. We are the people of God doing the will of God. We are the people of God doing the will of God by the power of God. We are the people of God doing the will of God by the power of God. We are the people of God doing the will of God by the power of God where God has put us this day. We are the Leave that up for a second, guys, if you will. Every part of this is important. We are the church. We are the people of God. We're doing the will of God. That's our mission. We're doing it by the power of God. We're not alone doing this. And we need to do it where God puts us. And that starts in our homes, and it moves to our communities, and as we are able, it moves to the world. You see, we are not helpless. We are critical. And Jesus invites each of us to fish for people, to put ourselves in the path of the gospel, and to put ourselves in close proximity to our neighbors, 
so that we can invite them to join us and to join the fun and to join the mission. And I've got to tell you, as your pastor, I am so thankful for each and every one of you. You are the church, and we are in this together. And if the church, without an army, could conquer the Roman Empire, if the church, without an army, could conquer the Roman Empire by loving, then we can change this island, and we can change our community, and we can change our families by loving. Fishing for people begins with a simple invitation. Come and see. Come and see the people of God at Trinity Lutheran Church. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand, and we're going to sing. Into the power of this hymn, we can make a difference.
hearts now to God in prayer. Diane's going to lead us in the prayers. Each petition will end, God, in your mercy, and our response, hear our prayer. The one who calls us to this place calls us to the reconciliation through grace. Hear us as we pray. God, wanderer of seashores and sidewalks, you call us, like Simon and Andrew, James and John, inviting us to sail out of our safe, smug harbors into the uncharted waters of faith to wander off from our predictable paths to follow you into the unpredictable footsteps of your reign, to leave the comfort of our homes and traditions and accompany you into uncomfortable places we usually avoid. Give us courage to follow beyond this hour and place to the places of our communities and world that need your word of hope, love, justice, and grace. God, in your mercy. Holy One, it is a blessing and privilege to share life here in this sacred space and among this loving community. We give thanks for the hearts that seek to follow your way. In times when our faith is weak, we remember that the call is to follow me just as often as it is to believe in me. May it be our life's journey to follow the one who welcomes the homeless and feeds the hungry. Our faith is not simply in the head. It is a life calling. God, in your mercy. We pray for our families, our friends, and for the community in which we live. As we share each other's joys and sorrows, may we be strengthened by the knowledge that we do not travel through life alone. May your healing presence be with those whose marriages begun with joy, hope, and celebration are now in distress. We pray with anyone who for, with and for anyone who is ill, grieving, or saddened by loss. God, in your mercy. God, we remember that love given away is not diminished but expanded. We repent our reluctance to open our doors and hearts to others for whom we have not advocated for peace rather than war for when we have sought safety over justice. Forgive us and heal us as we seek to follow the good news. God, in your mercy, as we go this day, let us follow where Christ calls, answering on the first or second ring, leaning into your transforming spirit, the spirit of grace, and being your hands and feet and heart in this world. Into your loving hands, we commend these and all our prayers. Amen. Amen. Peace of the Lord be with you. And also with you. Sign of peace and greeting for one another. Who, uh, thank you for sharing. Agree in the peace. Thank you for sharing that greeting. Uh, take that good energy right across the hall after the service uh, into the gym.
for a time of coffee and cookies and uh, fellowship together, sharing each other's stories. Important part of what we do together as God's people. Uh, down the hall, the Sunday Forum at 9.30 this morning, Pastor Christy Daniels uh, coming from the heart of Seattle, a Lutheran Compass Center and the Church of Steadfast Love that we have had relationship and supported for many years. Uh, Christy's going to be, Pastor Christy will be down there sharing this morning. Should be fascinating, 9.30 this morning in the uh, uh, fireside room. Down the hall, all the way to the left. Annual congregational meeting today at noon if you want to come back. Uh, as soon as the 11 o'clock service is over and people got a cup of coffee and could come back in, probably about 10 after 12, we'll tee up that uh, congregational meeting. I'm guessing it'll last about 45 minutes. You can get the annual reports that are out there. You can read through those and review the year uh, that we've had together and look forward to next year a little bit uh, as well. Uh, altar flowers given in Karen Laboon, uh, remembering... Uh, her dear husband, uh, Gordon, who was a member of our uh, parish, uh, served as a Lutheran pastor for many years. And so we, we're thankful to Karen for that and for Gordon's life as well. Also, um, uh, how many of you read, <coughs> excuse me, Pam Nisley's poem about your hands, right? What a beautiful poem, Pam. Thank you for that. And Pam wrote that poem, uh, I think, the first time on uh, the... Uh, 50th anniversary, uh, and then she rewrote it this year and shared it with me, and I said, We've got to can we publish it? People will want to read that. And it was very beautiful, Pam. And so Pam and Jack, it's hard to believe, but on January 24th, 1964, at Inglewood, California, uh, oh, look at them. They're younger. <laughs> they look younger there, but uh, not a lot younger, but younger uh, still. Um, and there they are, uh, 60 years ago. So we're celebrating 60 years uh, with you, Pam and Jack. And as those hands that you wrote about that have served in so many ways are going to serve again this morning as you serve Holy Communion together as uh, husband and wife. Do you have communion that day when you got married? Do you remember? You don't think so? Okay. Well, we'll do it today. How's that? Yeah. But uh, anyway, we celebrate with you 60 years. How many, how many grandkids? Six great-grandchildren, 11 grandchildren. Uh, why don't you two hold hands because it'll make me feel good. Go ahead and hold hands. And why don't we just hold the hand up and pray for them. Uh, gracious uh, Lord God, we give you thanks for uh, Jack and Pamela and their love of more than 60 years. Uh, we thank you for their faithfulness to each other, uh, to Jesus Christ and to your church. Uh, we thank you for their years of service here in our congregation as well. A blessing to those children, those grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, and bless them for many years to come. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I was going to have you stand, Jack, but I don't like you standing any more than, uh, <laughs> than I have to have you stand. So, but uh, congratulations to both of you on that. Now, a word about, uh, read the, uh, Deacon Amy is at a conference, so she's not here this weekend, but there are lots of announcements in the bulletin. Read those very carefully. Word about Holy Communion. Uh, the most important word is you are welcome. It doesn't matter where you've been in your life. Uh, it doesn't matter if you've never worshipped with the Lutherans before because it's not a Lutheran table. There's only one host, and it's Jesus, and he invites you to come. And so the ushers are going to help you to come down that center aisle to our little uh, Jordan River there, the baptismal font. You'll hold out your hand to receive the host, the body of Christ. Hold on to it momentarily. Then you'll intinct it into the chalice. All the chalices have grape juice today. Uh, the, the, 
the body of Christ given for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. If you want gluten-free elements, we have those as well. As we move now uh, towards communion, I would invite you, if it's comfortable, to stand. We gather now at a table that welcomed our parents and our grandparents, a table that will welcome Christians of a variety of colors, cultures, and denominations this day. As we do so, remember Thursday night in an upper room in Jerusalem, it was Holy Week. It was the night in which he was betrayed. And on this night, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks. He gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. We come to this table in the midst of a mystery, believing that Jesus Christ is truly present and meets us here in the bread and the wine. Let us pray now as he taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, gifts of God for the people of God, all are welcome. Please come. You may be seated.
You can play the game and you can act out the part Though you know it wasn't written for you But tell me how can you stand there with your broken heart Ashamed of playing the fool One thing can lead to another It doesn't take any sacrifice Oh, father and mother, sister and brother If it feels nice, don't think twice Just shower the people you love with love Show them the way that you feel Things are gonna work out fine if you only will Shower the people you love with love Show them the way that you feel Things are gonna be much better if you only You can run, but you cannot hide. This is widely known. And what you plan to do with your foolish pride when you're all by yourself alone? Once you tell somebody the way that you feel, you can feel it beginning to think it's true what they say about the squeaky wheel Always getting the grease Better to shower the people you love with love Show them the way that you feel Things are gonna work out fine if you only will Do as I say, shower the Show them the way that you feel Things are gonna be much better If you only will Shower the people you love with love Show them the way that you feel Repeat that Shower the people you love body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you always in God's grace. Amen. Amen. It starts now. Fed and forgiven, we go forth from this place. 
to be the hands and feet of Christ in the world. There's a place for you this week, your place of ministry and service. As you go, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In our sending hymn, we are called.